0: Good morning, church. Would you stand with me for the reading of today's scripture? It'll be on the screen behind me. Matthew 9, Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the Harvest, therefore, to send out workers into His harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. You may have a seat. Morning, everyone. My name is Adam. I'm one of the elders and volunteer staff here at the church, and uh, I get the privilege of of sharing with us this morning about the outward direction. Um, we are going through this series called, we're calling Path, uh, and this quote that was up on the screen for that little video is, if you don't change the direction you're headed, you'll end up where you're going. Pretty, pretty profound and pretty dumb at the same time, right? <laughs> it's pretty obvious. If you keep walking in this direction, you're going to end up over there. Um, that's our message for this series. Uh, And as we explore these directions together, these paths, this upward direction to God, this inward direction uh, into our own hearts and emotions and thoughts and feelings, and then the outward direction where we're landing today, and then withward next week, uh, we're realizing that everyone is on a path, right? We are all on a journey. Um, Some of us may know exactly where that is, where it's going, and some of us might have no clue. Have you ever felt like you have no idea where you're going in life? Or you, ha- you don't even know what path you're on currently, right? So this is, this is where this uh, idea comes from. That if you don't change direction, you're going to end up exactly where you're headed. Some of us might be on a path that is headed to not a good place. And if we don't end up changing direction, that's where we're going we're gonna to end up. So today I get the privilege of talking about the outward direction. And really simply, the outward direction is about uh, making What is paramount to Jesus, paramount to us. Making what's really important to Jesus, really important to us. This is demonstrating the gospel and announcing the gospel. And inviting others to enter the kingdom. And there's three ways that we're thinking about this in our home groups and as a church. One, we just want to respond tangibly to a needy world. There's a lot of need in the world around us. We want to respond tangibly as we go out. Number two is creating and advancing the good and the true and the beautiful in every sphere of life. In your job, in your home life, in your friends, in your neighborhood. Uh, This is what the Q Commons event uh, is about. How do we live as people in the world? And then the third way is speaking of the hope that we have of, in Jesus, within us, speaking of it. Jesus demonstrated the good news, and he announced it. That means he verbally talked about himself and what the kingdom of God was like. So I just want to submit before we jump in that every Christian, if you're a Christian here this morning, everybody is called to the outward direction. Everybody is called to live out their faith in tangible ways. Everyone is called to the work of justice, Everyone is called to the work of the dirty word evangelism, talking about our faith. We are all called on an outward journey. But as we talk about outward, uh, it would be, uh, I can't talk about it without actually stopping for a moment uh, and acknowledging some of uh, the the awful events that have continued to happen in our nation. So I want to invite up Lonnie, where is is he? There he is, over here. Uh, Lonnie is part of our elder transition team. Lonnie and I and Pastor Andrew are on the, we're elders figuring out who will be the elders moving forward. Uh, and we want to just take a moment and pause and, and realize and reflect and pray, uh, about just the awful events happening in, um, in our country. So Lonnie. Thank
1: you. Thank you, sir. Um, good morning church. Um, so as, as Adam mentioned, we're part of the, the leadership team, part of the elder formation team. And, um, pastor Andrew couldn't be here today. Um, but in light of what's happened this week in our country, we wanted to make sure that we stopped um, and address what happened. And some of you may be totally oblivious, may say, what's been happening? I've been going to work faithfully, in and out. I don't watch TV. Um, but we have to acknowledge some things. So Pastor Andrew has taught a number of times over the past year on reconciliation, on race, on privilege, lament, and even hope. And our music teams have even led us through far too many services around these same themes. And once again, we're here this Sunday. Um, Some of us may be grieving, some of us may not be. Um, But for those of us that are grieving, we're grieving the sin of individuals and systems that exist in this world. So we're gonna pause again because we've experienced another series of these tragedies in our country. Now on the surface, some of them, while seemingly isolated incidents, that are separated by over a thousand miles are still like the occurrences um, that have been widely publicized at least over the last four years. Uh, They're inherently interconnected regardless of how we shake it. They're interconnected by decades of racial and cultural unrest that are still unsatiated. Others, like out west, are the type of senseless tragedy that we mourn when another small community is taken by surprise and it's leaving them with another type of unrest, a sadness that has no solution. Now, for some of us, the temptation, and I dealt with this this week because I was tired. I was tired of seeing it. I was tired of CNN. I was tired of Fox. The temptation is to grow numb and accustomed to the unrest and just leave a little bit less room in our hearts for those that suffer at the hands of these unexpected circumstances that are geographically far where we stand and for some of us our temptation is fear it's very natural but it's fear and it's the stress of the uncertainty of tomorrow being afraid to step outside the door I dealt with that too and some of us our temptation is unrighteous anger let me say that again unrighteous anger and it's trying to fulfill a desire to blindly rage against others And so for these and many other reasons this morning, we're gonna pause again as a reminder that in this place and in so many other churches across this country, there's still one that is greater than our temptation. As a community of believers in Jesus and only Jesus, we stand on the promise that he is greater than our hearts. And we need only to look to him for a response to that unrest to the numbness, to the fear, to the anger. And that response before anything else is a call to remember. We need to remember the stories of God's peace, of God's mercy, of his justice, of his transformative love, the Prince of Peace, the God of the oppressed. Because when we remember, we're given a reason to hope and a reason to trust and a reason to joy, join in this story of redemption. There's a reason that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen with our human eye. So while we don't know what's gonna to happen tomorrow, whether the Crutcher family is gonna reconcile with the Shelby's, whether gunmen in Seattle will surrender or, where, or whether Charlotte will find peace within the city limits, we still know in this church that he is faithful, and it's up for us to pray for his guidance on how to respond because when we pray, we remember that the prayers for peace often lead us to become peacemakers, that prayers for justice are often, often met with godly invitations to do justice, not just hope for it. So when we pray, we know that we ask for God's sovereign hand to move, and we pray like the prophet Isaiah, here I am, send me. So God, we pray in Seattle, in Charlotte, in Providence, as it is in heaven. We want to invite you into a a moment of reflection and, and just silent prayer for what you can do. Join us as we pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the opportunity to be gathered in your name. Thank you for This place, we thank you for dedications of new life and new generations that will still follow you, whether we win or we lose in these fights here on this earth. Lord, go with us and remind us that as we seek for justice, as we seek for peace, that we do it in your name. In your name.
0: Thank you. Amen. Thank you, Lonnie. If you guys want to, oh, we go there. Last week, um, Pastor Andrew, as we looked at the inward direction, uh, we talked about hard, some hard stuff. Thanks. And the uh, um, the line that we kind of came up with was hashtag we go there as a church. Like if you can't talk about this stuff in church, where else can you talk about it? Uh, So this morning, as we remember and reflect on all that is continuing to happen in our country, uh, if you're feeling uncomfortable, welcome. You're not the only one, but hashtag we go there as a church, Sanctuary Church, we go there. Uh, So if you are new and this is, um, if you want to learn more, you can put that next slide up with the resources. Nope, resources slide. There we go. Uh, you can go to covchurch.org and search racial, recon, racial righteousness. Uh, there's a lot of resources from our denomination, a lot of ways that we've been thinking about this and um, and living this out. Uh, you can check it out there. Also, you can go to sanctuaryri.org backslash teachings. Uh, is that forward slash or backslash? Well, you got a 50-50 shot. Pick a slash, give it a shot. Uh, and then look for the CRY service. It was a service of lament that we, uh, we did a little while ago. Uh, you can check that out. Um, we're not going to spend the whole time on it today, but feel free to go check those things out. And the last thing, the other slide that we can put back up, Christina Cleveland, Dr. Christina Cleveland. Uh, she spoke at a conference I was at last year. Uh, she is a professor. She's a Christian. And she asked this question that really changed my perspective on pretty much everything in life. It's a very simple question. Who is a part of your family, and how will the world know? So when we hear of things like Terrence Crutcher, and we hear of things like Charlotte, there's all sorts of things that arise up in all of us, no matter what our ethnic background is, no matter what our opinion or view is. Um, But So for me, I have tried to make this question be the first thing that comes up. Who is in my family, and how will the world know? I know who's in my blood family, and I know how the world knows, Uh, but as I think about what it means to be part of the church, like who is in your family, and how will the rest of the world know about it? And that's what we're going to talk about today. That's a great segue, actually, into the outward direction. So for some of us, um, you might be like, oh, another sermon on going out on mission. Like, cool, I got this. I'm going to go on Instagram and tune out. Uh, I would encourage you to let this time be a refresher to you. Uh, Let this be... um, especially if you're thinking like, oh, I, I'm, I don't need another one of these sermons or I'm already doing uh, so many things already. Let this be another, let this, let this time be a refreshment for you. So I wanna share a quick story. About a year ago, so I work in campus ministry. Uh, I'm the area director for University in Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. And for the past six years, I've worked at the University of Rhode Island. Uh, and last year, I had a moment where I felt like my heart was invaded by God's love for lost people, for broken, hurting people on campus. And I use invaded because it is kind of a violent word, right? It wasn't like God gently came over to spend the evening for a nice dinner. Like, he invaded. It was like, I wasn't ready for it. No one plans for an invasion, right? No one gets ready to be taken over. Um, and I was, on, I was on a phone call with this other university staff from California, and he was just kind of like, he's a little bit of a prophet, he was just kind of going off, and he was like, how, so many of our students care more about watching pornography than they do about seeing lost friends come to faith. Like, do we care more about people who don't know God than pornography? Uh, and that question is like, wow, that's, that's pretty bold, that's pretty blunt. Um, but if you think about it, how many of us, maybe it's not pornography, maybe it's something else, but... Do we care more about lost, broken, hurting people than we do about other things, right? And then think about things like pornography. If you're a Christian here, which is, which is more paramount in your heart? Uh, and so this question really, like, it struck me. It really, it arrested me. It grabbed me. Uh, and I just had this moment of, I have to do something. I have to do something. So, what came from this was I started going out with some of my students on campus and just talking to people. Because my goal, I wanted them to see that there were people on campus who are lost and hurting and broken and that they need to hear about God. So, my goal was to just go talk to students, have conversations like, hey, what is your faith background? What is your experience of church? Um, are you interested in hearing about, about a God who loves you? Like, so we just wanted to have conversations with folks, right? And before you start to think, oh boy, this is going to be one of those, like, stand on the corner on a soapbox, scream at people. No, if, if somebody said, no, I don't want to talk, guess what we did? Like, okay, have a good day, and walked away. So we were just talking to people, having conversations. And my whole goal was just to get my students to see that there were people on campus who were hurt, who were broken, who needed God. And you know what started happening? People started coming to faith in these conversations. We started talking about faith, and they started asking us about our faith. And then we were like, wow, they're actually really open and hungry to hearing about Jesus. So we started asking, and then my students started leading these other students to faith. They started becoming Christians. And I was like, "Uh, that's awesome. I don't don't know what to do with it. I don't know. I wasn't planning for this. So let's be clear. My goal was not to go help other people become Christians. My goal was just to take students out and help them see that campus has broken people. But God started bringing people to faith through my students, talking about their faith and sharing about Jesus, proclaiming the good news. God started doing this thing. And then last Thursday, half of the URI football team came to faith. Half of the football team came to faith, right? I didn't do anything. It wasn't me. I went to an event that some people that city uh, hosted, uh, William Green. Does anyone know William Green, former NFL player? Anyone? I, I, don't, I don't know football that well. I guess no one knows him, but check him out. He Apparently, he was a big deal a while ago. Um, uh, he came and spoke, and the football team was required to go. It was school mandated. We're like, you know that he's a Christian, and this is a Christian event, Right? And they're like, yep, that's fine, we want them to go. So they went and spoke, and he invited them to become Christians, and half of them, 50 people, stood up and said, yes, I want to become a Christian. And he didn't force them, he didn't manipulate them. There was no no manipulation, it was actually pretty boring. He just kind of laid it out there, and people were like, yeah, I want that. And I was like, what is going on? This This is insane, this is crazy. Has anyone ever seen 50 people come to faith at once? Raise your hand if you have. All right, that's what I thought. Pretty nuts, right? I had never seen 50 people come to faith at once until the other day. Every now and again here, we have somebody who says, yes, I want to start a relationship with God this morning, right? Now imagine if 50 of us, imagine if this whole side said, yep, that's me. I want to begin a relationship with Jesus today. So last year, and it's continued, I feel like God has been doing something in my heart where he has rekindled, uh, relit this passion and this desire for people who don't know him, people who are hurting and broken, people who are lost, people who need to hear about God's love. So this morning, I want to spend some time in our passage, um, Matthew 9. we we'll put it on the screen again. I'm going to read it one more time, and then we're going to jump in. We want to see, what does Jesus do? How does Jesus engage with folks who are hurting? How does Jesus engage with us as he sends us out? What is Jesus' motivation? What compels him? So Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them, because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out the workers into his harvest field. So this word compassion, if you go back a couple slides. Verse 36, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Andrew's talked about this word a couple times. It's this really long, funny word in Greek. I'm gonna attempt to pronounce it. Actually, why don't you guys attempt to pronounce it first? Go. Go. Sounds about right. Say splach nizomai. There you go. Not, it's actually pretty phonetically "splaknizomai." nizomai. It's, it's this word that is translated as compassion in the scripture. And it actually means moved in one's bowels. So, insert bathroom joke there, right? When you're moved in your bowels, you are propelled to leave where you are, to go out, to go somewhere else, right? Um... That was a bad joke. All right. As a, I'm, not, I'm stopping. Okay. So insert all the bathroom humor you want. Moved in one's bowels. I don't usually think about compassion. I want people to have compassion on me when i moved in the bowels, right? I don't normally think about it as I feel pain or I feel empathy for you in my bowels. But think about it as gut, right? You ever see like, oh, you just felt it in your gut? I think that's what they're getting at here. So in this time, compassion was thought to have come from deep within you and the deepest place that they could kind of give word to was your bowels. So have you ever felt something in your gut? Have you ever felt uh, you knew something? Yes or no, do this or don't do this. I I must do this. Have you ever felt that in your gut? You don't have to raise your hand, but just think about that for a second. Think about something that you felt in your gut. What was that like? What was it like to feel that here versus here? Like, I know a lot of things in my head, right? Um, But I know a few things in my gut. And the things that I know in my gut are the things that actually get lived out, right? I'm a hypocrite in my head. I say a lot of good things. Uh, I have a lot of great ideals. I have a lot of great goals and plans. But the ones that I actually feel here, the ones that I feel with splatnizomai, those are the ones that actually move me to action. And this is what Jesus' motivation is. He's moved with splaknitzomai. So he looks out at the crowds, and he says they're like sheep without a shepherd. They're helpless. They're harassed. They're lost. Are there any people in our country right now that are harassed? Maybe you're here this morning and you feel harassed. Maybe you are a sheep that feels lost without a shepherd, helpless, lost. When Jesus looks at you, when Jesus looks at all of us, he is moved with splaknitzomai to compassion. For him, he then proclaimed the good news that hey, there's a, the kingdom of God is here. God loves you. And he healed them. He healed the sheep all because of this gut reaction he had to the brokenness in the world. So in my story, there was this moment that when my friend Ryan asked the question, do we care more about looking at porn than we do about lost people? It just it hit punched me in the gut. To stick with the metaphor, just punch me straight in the gut. Do I care more about looking at porn than I do about people who don't know God? So I ask you, what does it do to you? What does it do to you when I say that there are millions of children around the world that are in sex slavery right now, that are being sold? Well, I don't need to explain what for. What does it do to you? Does it do anything to you? What does it do to you that when you hear of another black man gunned down by police, what does it do to you inside? Do you feel anything? What does it do to you to know that there are millions and millions of people who don't know the love of God? Does it move you? Like, yeah, yeah, of course, well, we should care about this. Da, 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 no, no, does it move you? Not does it intellectually stimulate some thoughts. Does it move you in your gut? Do you have splack needs of I like Jesus? There's um. everyone knows what this is? What is this? Symbol, good. All right, uh, there's a, a passage in the Bible that says, if I have not love, I'm a clanging cymbal. All right, ready? What, what's a word to describe that sound? Annoying, right? <laughs> it's pretty annoying. If I have not love, I'm annoying cymbal. But more than that, I thought about this. I was like, this is really just incomplete. Nobody plays the ride. Just the ride. <laughs> right? This needs the rest of the drum set right? It also needs the rest of the band. It needs the singers. It needs melody. Otherwise, it's just it's annoying, and it's really incomplete and lonely, right? The symbol needs more with it. In the same way, our spiritual lives are incomplete if we're not on the outward journey. If we're not actively engaged in what Jesus cares about, if we're not moved in our gut with the things that move Jesus, yeah, we could be annoying, right? You could be kind of annoying, but more, but more, but worse, more worsely, more sadly, your faith life is incomplete. You're missing out. It's not that the symbol isn't good, it's just it needs to be with the drum set. It needs to be with the band. You need to be engaged in the outward direction. See, Jesus is not just an add-on to your life. We've talked about this a lot, right? Like a lot of, uh, like, oh, we just add Jesus, to my life, just like a little salt and pepper on the, the stove, a little seasoning, and it makes it taste better. It makes my life better. It heals me of my hurt. Um, I have a lot of good friends on Sunday. get to go to brunch. And then Jesus makes my life better. And that's part of it. That's absolutely part of it. But you're missing out if you're not engaging in the outward discipline. In Ephesians, it says that uh, we have been given good works prepared that God prepared for us in advance to do. So if your faith is all inward and it's all about you, you're actually not living out the full message of of Jesus. Because everybody has been given this, what what the Bible calls the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians, it'll be on the screen for us. 2 Corinthians on the screen, there it is. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. of the ministry of reconciliation. So if you are here and you're a Christian, God has given you the ministry of reconciliation. You are a reconciler. You were created to be a reconciler. This is why you need to care. This is why we need to have this gut reaction To to feel in our hearts and our guts the same thing that Jesus feels when we encounter the brokenness of the world, when we encounter Charlotte, when we encounter depression, when we encounter people who don't know God's love, the ministry of reconciliation. Four different ways that uh, we are called to be reconcilers. Number one, we're called to reconcile people to God, to each other, to creation, and to ourselves. So we are called to be reconciled to God. Through Jesus, we are all called to come back, come back to God, like Paul says. We're all called to be reconciled to God through Jesus. We're all called to be reconciled to each other. That is why, as a Christian, we cannot turn blind eyes when there's injustice in the world. We have to care about it. We have to move outward towards it. We're reconciled to the world around us. This is why we care about creation. And then we're reconciled to ourselves. How many of you feel at odds with yourself? How many of us have ever felt, like I don't know who I am. This part of me is really broken and hurting. Maybe that's you this morning. Jesus wants to reconcile you to yourself. So we have been given this ministry of reconciliation. And if you're not a part of it, you're missing out. It's not that like, oh, just try harder. Just go share your faith more. Because if you're honest, right, some of us, this is where I was a year ago. So this is not like, I'm up here spewing judgment all over you guys. This is where I was a year ago. You're like, yeah, I don't really feel it though. Like, I don't feel that. I really don't, I really, I mean, I know in my head that I should care, but I don't actually feel that. And if that's you, that's okay. It doesn't mean that you're broken. It doesn't mean that you're not working properly. And it also doesn't mean that you're off the hook. You know, like that's, the, that's one that we love. Like, I don't really feel it, so I'm not gonna do it. Imagine if everybody lived that way. I don't really feel it. Ask God to help you feel it. Ask God to give you his heart, his gut, his desire for lost, broken, and hurting people. Right? You can't produce it. That's the thing. Some of us are trying to produce God's love. Like if I come to church and I do the right actions, then I will produce this love inside of me. You can't produce God's love. You can't just try harder. You can't just love more. It has to come from somewhere. God needs to invade your heart with love for lost people. And you have to ask him to do that. I think some of us, sometimes the biggest aha moment was like, I don't really feel that. So I guess I'm not uh, supposed to go out and do the ministry of reconciliation. Like, no, you are. It's very clear in scripture. If you don't feel it, ask God. Like, Lord, I don't feel your love for lost people. I don't actually really care. And God's like, awesome. I want to give that to you. I want to give that to you because you're called to be a reconciler. Back to my story at URI, I took one student, her name was Meg. I took her out, and we walked around campus and uh, we started talking to people. Actually, she went by herself. I only heard this story. Um, and she met, went up to this one student, and they had a great, like, half hour long conversation about God. And he asked her, her faith, and she shared about her faith. Uh, And he was like, nah, I don't want that. And she was like, wait, why? Like, what do you mean you don't want that? He's like, no, I don't want anything to do with that. And that moment for her was the most transformative moment of probably her college career because she realized, like, wait, why would you, I just told you the best news in the world, that the kingdom of God is here, that God loves you, that Jesus has reconciled you himself, reconciled you through himself to God. Jesus wants to heal you and give you a purpose greater than whatever you could come up with. And you're like, no, I don't want that. Her heart broke in that moment. God gave her his heart for this person. She's like, I'm good, I'm good. She's like, how could you not want that? It's the best news ever. In that moment, God broke her heart. So I ask, is your heart broken? Is your heart broken? If it's not, the invitation is to say, God, I'm realizing my heart is not broken for the things that breaks yours. Lord, help me to feel the way you do about the injustice in the world. Help me to feel the way you do about the lost people that I'm surrounded by. Guys, in my adult Christian life, I have found that there is no greater joy than seeing somebody move from death to life. Maybe some of you in this room have come from death to life in this church. You have come into this building, not as a Christian, and at some point, God has gotten a hold of you, and you said, yes, I want to be a follower of Jesus. There is nothing more exciting than seeing somebody say yes, from that, from stepping from death into life. There's nothing more exciting as, as a Christian, in my opinion, And if you're not practicing the outward direction, this is not meant to be like you just need to try harder at going out. You're missing out. You're just missing out on like half the fun of being a follower of Jesus, being in this community. Over the summer, here's a picture of my friend Noah. He was up here this morning. He's Sarah and Greg's son. And Noah, there he is. Okay, so there's Noah on a boat uh, and Sarah and Greg behind it. I'm taking the picture, I think. Uh, But this is when, uh, over the summer, My fiance and I got engaged, and then we went on this boat ride with them, um, and then we all ended up jumping in the water. It was not planned. We all had clothes on. It was after dinner. We just went to, like, throw the shells in the water, uh, and then, I don't remember, we just ended up, let's jump in. So we all jumped in just like this into this pond out in Cape Cod. It was completely spontaneous. It was awesome. The sun was setting. There was music, food. It was great. And Noah, how old's Noah? Six. He was a little bit afraid to jump in the water. He was a little bit afraid to jump in the water. He had his life jacket on, um, but he was he was still kind of terrified and there were, we were reasoning with him you know like no no, you, we just went swimming like a while ago, right? your life jacket worked, your life jacket worked right it's like yeah, like so it 'll work again I like i don 't want to i don 't want to I'm like okay, no pressure I was like this is the moment that people like you 're going to deal with this in counseling later if we like force you in the water like you don't have to jump. Just stay right in the boat. So I'm in the water in my clothes, and Noah's like, he wants to come in. I can see that he wants to come in. Right? He's not sitting there with his arms crossed. He's like hanging over the edge, like touching the water. Like he wants in. He wants to jump in, but he is terrified. And he knows that we're on the water. We're going to catch him, but it doesn't matter. He knows it up here. He doesn't know it here yet, right? So we, we coach him a little bit and talk through his, his fears Uh, And I'm in the water, and I'm realizing, like, me, I'm almost 30 years old, and Noah is six. And I actually wanted him in the water. I was like, no, you're, not only are you missing out, but, like, we're missing out on the party. You're, like, we want you in the water, Noah. Like, it's going to be more fun if you jump in. Honestly, uh, I'm like, wow, this is weird. I'm saying this to a six-year-old. Like, we're not actually, like, friends, you know? (laughs) Like, (laughs) Noah and I are gonna go out for a drink and hang out. Like, no, he's six. He's in preschool or whatever. But I was like, Noah, please jump in, buddy. Like, like you're gonna regret this. Like, we're gonna get back to shore and be all wet. And Noah's gonna be like, can we go out in the water? Like, no, man, you missed it. We were just out there. Like, just jump. It's gonna be awesome. He finally did it. He finally did it. And guess what? He floated. And he had a blast. It was awesome. And then we all had a blast, right? And I feel like... When it comes to faith in Jesus, to stepping into the kingdom, so some of you are here this morning and you are not a Christian, you're exploring or you were dragged here, some of us can feel, oh, where'd Noah go? He went away. Some of us feel like Noah or like you're kind of standing on the edge of the boat and you're maybe afraid to jump in. And the rest of us are saying like, no, trust me, you want to jump in. And it's actually better in the water. It's actually better in the water. This is where the party is. And some of us, when it comes to the outward direction, I think it's this very similar image, very similar metaphor. Like if you're not engaged in the outward direction of the Christian life, if you're not on God's mission, you're actually missing out. It doesn't mean that God doesn't love you. It doesn't mean that you're not a Christian. It's just like you're sitting in the boat while everyone else is in the water. You're just sitting in the boat with your life jacket on, and everyone else is swimming in the water having a good old time. And the invitation is, come back to God. Jump in the water. Step out. Literally, step out of the boat into the water. Don't miss out on the fun. So this morning, I'm going to invite the band back up. We're going to come up. uh, We're going to have a time of communion. And I want to make two simple invitations off of today's today's message. As we come to the table, we think about God being the ultimate outward-facing God. God left his place on high and came as Jesus to us. He came to us. God is infinitely oriented outward towards the other. And thank God, literally, he is, right? Because God came to us. God is oriented outward, and therefore, we are. It says in 2 Corinthians that God was reconciling humanity to himself through Christ. God so loved the world Right? God loved the world in his gut with compassion that he came as Jesus to give his life for us. So this morning, I'm, I'm pleading with you, like Paul said, come back to God. If you're here this morning and you feel far from Jesus, that can change today. So the Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. I'm pleading with you, come back to Jesus this morning. God has reconciled you to himself in Jesus. And the second invitation is for those of us uh, who are like, yeah, that's great, but I'm honestly, I'm realizing I don't actually feel anything in my gut region or in my heart for people who are lost. I don't, I don't have that concern. I don't actually feel anything uh, for the injustice around me. You know, I think about it, like a status on Facebook, and then I move on. I don't actually have this splagnizomai like reaction that Jesus has And Lord, I want that. If that's you, the invitation this morning is to say, God, I want that feeling. But I want to know your compassion for the lost people in the world. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite us to respond. And if there's any week that is the most appropriate to ask us to make an outward confession, it's the out week right? It's the week where we're talking about moving outward. Um, so if you've, been, if you've been, if something has been tugging at you this morning, whether it's like, yeah, I need to actually come back to God, or yeah, I really don't have this, this passion in my gut for people who are lost, for the brokenness of the world, and I want that, I'm going to invite you to respond physically and come up and get prayer. There's going to be folks over here to pray, uh, and it can just be simple as, uh, I need God, and they will help you from there. Or it could be as simple as, I'm realizing that I don't have God's love for lost people and I want that. That's not a shameful thing. That is a great thing. That is a great place. Jesus is pleased with that. He invites you. Come, come, let me give you that. So the communion servers are going to come up and as we come down the aisle, um, if, you, if you respond, if you're feeling this tug, uh, you can head over there before you come up to get communion. So let me pray for us. Father, you are the ultimate uh, the ultimate goer. Lord, you are the ultimate uh, sending God. Your very nature is to move out towards the other. You looked at us, broken humanity, and you moved out to us, God. You came as yourself, to give your life as a ransom for us, to bring us back to you and to give us the ministry of reconciliation. God, you are moved in your gut for, with love for us, with love for this broken, hurting world. And God, some of us are here this morning and we're realizing that um, we need to return. We need to come back to God. If that's you this morning, hear God's invitation. Come back to God. I plead with you, come back to God. He is waiting with open arms. Jesus reconciled us to himself at the cross. As we come to the table, this is his blood poured out, his body broken for the forgiveness of our sins. So if that's you, I want to invite you just to, no one's looking, your, hands are, your eyes are closed. Just raise your hand. Right now, if you're, if you're saying, I need to come back to God this morning, just go ahead and throw your hand up, and I want to pray for you. Amen. If there's anyone else, you can just throw your hand up at any point. Lord, I thank you for uh, these, uh, these brothers and sisters who are making the choice to return to you. Lord, you are rejoicing with them. Um, God, we rejoice with them, and you love them. God, you gave your life for them. And for the rest of us, if you're if you're feeling, man, I don't have God's love for the lost. I need that. And this morning, Lord, I want to ask you for that. Would you raise your hand as well? Make an outward, make an outward movement. Like, yes, Lord, I need that. Amen. You can put your hand down, Lord. Thank you for for these brothers and sisters. I pray that you infuse them with your love, invade their heart, God with love for the broken and the hurting and the lost. God, would you arrest them when they see injustice? Would you arrest them when they encounter people who don't know you? God, not out of duty, but out of, out of delight. Lord, we can't produce your love for people. We need you to infuse it in us. Amen. Amen.